Oh, all right. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Time and Place, the gospel conversation show where we discuss faith on the fringes and do our best to apply God's word to God's world. I'm Solomon. This is Julian. And today we're talking about Donda by Kanye West. But first, Julian, what the heck is going on in the world today? Well, you would have thought the world had ended. You would have thought this was the reaction that you would get for the uh, situation in Afghanistan. But no, people were not freaking out over that. They're freaking out over the new Texas abortion law, where uh, it's essentially illegal to abort after six weeks. Man, so it's in tech only in Texas. Only in Texas. Right. Okay. And the and entire this, nation is enraged over that. So this was coming down the pike, and then the Supreme Court just didn't stop it, basically. Yeah, the uh, the ACLU had petitioned them <clears throat> to get them to put a put a stop on it, and the Supreme Court just kind of let it slide. It was actually a four to five split. Yeah. So well, barely. That makes sense, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> as far as conservatives and liberals on the on the court, right? right. So, yeah, it barely got through uh, with that, but uh, it, it it stuck through. Yeah, I, I know. I've seen. I saw <laughs> some headlines that were like, uh, "Abortion clinics forced to turn people away because of new law." I'm like, great. <laughs> this is good news. Just saying this is like it's an automatic bad news thing. Oh yeah, it's like we've lost a human right according to the mainstream media. Yeah, it's so weird that rights thing, man. It's so like I heard I was listening to Michael Shermer on Megan Kelly podcast today, and he's talking about rights and like oh we can, you know we have these rights and you know people think they have a right to stuff and all these things and he's talking about rights and and there is this idea out there that these. These things called rights are just kind of made up and mm. given out. And, you know, because they can't be from God. It can't be endowed by our creator, right. you know, by, by nature and nature is God, you know. And that's the best they can do is say nature, like laws of nature, right? Right. But they also want to change our nature, right? Right. And so these rights can evolve and change and yes. be different and stuff. Yeah. As much as we need them to at the time. Yeah. I like the language around it, too, because I've noticed this with abortions and stuff, how they kind of sterilize the language. Mm -hmm. So uh, I was looking at this NPR article, and it was saying that it bans abortions as soon as cardiac activity is detectable. So rather than heartbeat, well, you know, you normally say heartbeat. No, it's cardiac activity. Yeah, the the heartbeat bill or whatever, the the whole thing. Um, yeah, it's, it's weird because, um, it's m- most women don't know they're pregnant by six weeks. Right. right? Yeah. That, and that's the, that's the big claim is like, well, it can't be that because the women don't even know they're pregnant. It's like, yeah, that's when most abortion, when they say cluster of cells, when they say just a globule or whatever, that's never when an abortion happens. Right. You know what I mean? Because like they say, the woman you don't know she's pregnant yet <laughs> right. until there's a heartbeat usually about around five weeks. And so, yeah, it's like, and so, so something like this, and it's, and it's kind of weird. It's like a hard line between like the incrementalist approach versus the complete abolitionist approach, right? right. which is like, okay, if this, and I, I, I've never really heard like what Jeff Durbin says about this as far as like, wouldn't that be good if less, it's like less babies were aborted than, you know, no holds barred, like everything just right. totally going. 
He seemed, I, I would think his answer is no or something. Well, like, it, it's, it, it, we can't settle. It's about we can't settle. It has to be complete right. abolition, which I understand. But I think, you know, five babies dying instead of ten is good. Like, it's a good step forward, you know. And we will, I think we can still get there. But to not see this as, like, a win at all or, like, a move in the right direction at all or to be dissatisfied with this, I don't know. It's just kind of a weird place to be. I don't know if he is, but it's just well, the, I know there's like the strict, I've understood you know. kind of ham and apology on their stance is they're grateful for any incremental uh, steps you can get, but they don't want to work for incrementalism. Right. right. So the goal is abolition, but we'll take what we can get when incrementalism does come into effect. So on the other side of the, the kind of thinking, what do you, what, is that maybe some of the intention behind something like defund the police? Whereas, like, that's the full-on thing, but they don't mean defund the police. They'll accept reforming the police because that's more realistic. Well, I think it depends who you talk to because, like, there's some segments that say, like, well, we want to reform, which is not something anybody would be opposed to, right? Like, that's that's pretty, pretty mainstream thinking. But then there's yeah. others who are like, well, the police, the system of policing and jail is racist, so we have to destroy it completely. Yeah. So it just depends who you're talking to, like, what camp. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that might be some people's pro-life argument of like, yeah, we want pro-life, and then you know, stricter regulations on abortion clinics comes comes around. And it's like, okay, yeah, that's great, and it's like, well, no, that's not great. That's not, right. that's enough, not enough, you know. <laughs> and that, but it seems to be that like defund the police. Oh well, we we can't do that. But we'll reform. Okay, that's good. You know, it seems to be like these half measures. You know, right. you're claiming the, the the full extreme and then settling for whatever you there do. or something. Yeah. <laughs> I I had thought because I knew it was harder to get an abortion here. I know there's still one clinic, and I don't know if it's going to stay open now, but I know exactly where it is. I, I pass it from time to time. But it's like the only Planned Parenthood I've ever seen in town. And I guess I don't know. I'll drive by and see if it's still open after this. <laughs> yeah, there's one on uh, what's it called? Uh, Nacoparin, like right there. Okay. Yeah, like by Firestone. And there's actually the church or like some kind of like, I think it is a church right next to it. Is that called a little strip? Yeah. <laughs> wow. I wonder what that's. Right. <laughs> I wonder what that's going on. Does any. I wonder. I, I mean, I wonder if they just pretend like it's not there, if they actually do anything about it. I don't know. That'd be interesting. I've never seen anybody out there trying to prevent people to go in or whatever, but. Oh, well. Abortion is one of those weird things where like everybody knows what it is everybody's like aware of what it is there's not really any illusions even the people who talk about clumps of cells or whatever like that's kind of passe it's, we all know what's going on but for yeah. some reason still like you don't want to step on toes about it like well, we don't want to offend you. which well, i don't understand yeah it's the undue burden of the mother she should never be put out she should never right, be yeah. in any sort of difficult situation um so that's where this right comes from. It's you know just created basically, um, women's health issue. But then you know what's a woman? You know they make this whole thing of like women's rights, women's women's health, equality, feminism, everything, women's healthcare, everything. They can't even define what a woman is. Bir the, don't you mean birthing person? Shouldn't you say birthing person rights? It's like, right, it doesn't roll all the time. It's not as you know. <laughs> it's like they shoot themselves in the foot with these stupid vocabulary. You know, they're trying to change all the words and change all that meaning of everything, 
and they can't even define a woman, but these are women's rights. It's just complete insanity. It's just complete nonsense. Well, that's why they have that split now. There's like a, what they call TERFs, tra trans-exclusionary radical feminists. Yeah. So like they buy into all the feminism stuff, but they don't buy the trans stuff. So there's like that's like those people are ostracized too. Like they're not progressive enough. Yeah. And in feminists giving up or denying and decrying the what, m one of the most unique forms of femininity that, that defines femininity, giving, having children, you know, giving birth to children, getting pregnant. I mean, they're just denying that. So it's like, what, what, what is feminine? What does it mean to be feminine? You know, nothing. It means right. to be a man. Right. Well, that's, right? What, they so that's like, what they want. That's what they want in the end. They want no genders. Mm -hmm. Yes. It's not empowerment of the female gender of the feminine, you know, whatever, because they're not promoting anything feminine. Right. It's all just like we want to do everything a man can do. And you see the, the headlines, too, of like, OK, well, how about a man has to start paying child support as soon as it's conceived? It's like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, that'd be great. Sure. There's a name, there's a name for that. Let's make it illegal for the man to leave. OK, OK, <laughs> we're good. With they're that. like, you're trying to make some kind of point. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> well, they're, they're slowly inventing marriage like they're reverse engineering marriage. <laughs> right. We're going to force you. Yeah, man. I was talking about that with someone today. He was like, "Well, do you support uh, do you support child support from the moment of conception? If you think life starts at conception, I was like, well, I support marriage from the moment of conception more than anything.' But I guess that. No. And then the funny thing was that he was like, "Oh, well, that's insane. You can't just have people get married if they don't want to." Yeah, like that's in the the normal function is insane. This other stuff is totally makes sense. Uh, what, I've seen, what, I've seen, what I've heard too is is weird. Is people are saying this is going to disproportionately affect black and brown people, and and you know poor minorities and everything. It's like wait a second, wait a second, wait a second. You're saying we need black and brown people to keep having abortions. Yes. Like you're you're saying wait wait hang on who's going to kill all the black and brown babies? Yes. Uh, how about nobody? How about we let them live? <laughs> no, 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 no. This is gonna. No, no, no. These, these, these poor black and 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 Mexican and and minority women need to have abortions. They need to get their abortions. It's like, what are you really saying there? What are you really saying? You, you're, you're, you're upset that <laughs> this is gonna disproportionately affect. This is gonna disproportionately leave too many black and brown people alive. Yes, alive. <laughs> that's what you're saying. That's what. That's literally what they're saying, and that's a problem, because. We need to have black and brown people having abortions. The women have abortions. We don't want them to have their babies. Right. See, and this is this is going to affect them. So they need to get their abortions. You know, I was like, what are you saying? This is insane. It's just, it's just that nonsense, that complete contradicting of their own like woke, you know, supposedly woke progressive mindset. They're actively wanting to kill black and brown babies. Well, that's baked <laughs> into the baked into the fabric of uh, Planned Parenthood. You can't escape the reality of like its racist roots. Yeah, she's succeeding. Just, Marcus Sanger's like, you know, yes. doing a, you're doing a cartwheel in the grave. You know? <laughs> in hell. She's, she's loving it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's loving this. It's the, you know, it's the elimination of the human weeds. As she right. Said, exactly you know? what she wanted. It's eugenics. I mean, just perfect. Well, and, I don't, and I don't, people are upset that it's not being carried out. It's so insane. I think I sent you guys the tweet today. I didn't. I don't know if I did or not, but one of the guys was talking about uh, how most children with Down syndrome can't be, or most most uh, fetuses yeah. with Down syndrome can't be screened before six weeks. And so now we're yeah. gonna have an explosion of people with yeah. Down syndrome. Like it's just, I know. we can't kill them. What are we supposed to do? Yeah, it's like you know how many Down syndrome people we're gonna get because of this. 
We're going to be infest, infested with that's a bunch how, of Down right. syndrome. That's the language. That's literally what they're saying. And like, wow. I mean, anybody. Oh, my God, dude. It's it's so insane. Like, it's just so. Like, can you not hear the, the, the culture of death in your voice? Yeah. Right? Can you not hear this, like, moral bankruptcy of eugenics and superiority of, of some human beings over others? You not hear that? Like it's insane. <laughs> we need the the Down syndrome babies to keep dying and being killed, and the black and brown people. This is going to disproportionately affect them. How are people going to kill their Down syndrome babies if they <laughs> can't? On. You know, it's just. It's, it reminded me of that article not, that you. Uh, that yeah. Article from was it? I forget the, what it was from the Atlantic. From the Atlantic. Atlantic. You, you talked about it a couple of months ago. Yeah. But they, they were like eliminating the Down syndrome problem in Denmark, basically. Like, we've cured Down syndrome by killing them all. <laughs> you know, and it's like, wow, okay, that's <laughs> final solution, right? Or whatever. Right. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's just, it, 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 it's, it's just, it's insane. Like, it's just insane. This is the, the party, or the, the party of science. In the side of science, right? And right. okay, let's see. Let's see. Let's do a science experiment. What kind of living being is this? A human being. <laughs> it has its own DNA. It's got its own fingerprints. It's got a heartbeat. It feels pain. Like, what are you talking about? And that's also something Michael Shermer said. We can we can come to these moral conclusions uh, scientifically because they can't really feel pain at this certain stage, and so it's okay to kill them because of pain. It's like, well, hang on, where did you get that standard from? Of like being able to feel pain, we can kill somebody. Like, well, they can't feel it. So, so it's like, you can kill somebody as long as they don't feel it. Right. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> scientifically, that's that's how you come to moral conclusions scientifically. It's kind of weird. But. The other one I heard before, and I I don't know if this argument ever picked up steam because it's stupid, but the argument was like, well, they're human, yes, but they're not a person yet. They haven't yeah. been given personhood, which is like. So that's like straight 1800s. Like, <laughs> that's not – you're three-fourths of a person. You're not a real person. Well, you know what? I actually just read about that in Thought Lines mm. by Rody Bauckham. Um, Really, really great book. The Social Justice Movement and Evangelicalism's Looming Catastrophe. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> real positive outlook. Yeah, well, he's saying like there's going to be a a, a a rift, right? Mm, and yeah. some are going to be standing here, and some are going to be standing oh, there. Definitely. Where are you standing right now? Because it's it's fault lines are showing basically. Um, yeah, it's really good. Uh, but he talks about that. He talks about that three fifths compromise and how it's it's not what you said is wrong. Oh, it's, okay. Enlighten me. <laughs> I mean, let me explain to you. <laughs> they white explain to me. white explain to you to the brown man <laughs> about three fifths compromise. Um, yeah, because he, he's talking about how that doesn't. Everybody says that. Oh, three fifths of a person, three fifths of a person. You were counted as three fifths of a person, but when you read the actual thing, it's not. That's not what it says, and it's talking about representation uh, of the vote. Um, okay. So if you are not a fan of web searches, no need to worry. Reading the text of the Constitution will dispel this myth. Ironically, uh, Jamar Tisby, uh, Tisby, Morrison, and Hill cite the amendment. Again, one need not be a constitutional scholar in order to see through this myth. 
that people say, oh, they counted you as three-fifths of a person. They didn't even say you were a person, right? That's something I thought, too, until Bodie Bauckham explained to me in this book. Um, and hang on. Look, don't worry. Bodie Bauckham's black. <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I'm decentering my whiteness and listening to the Not black voices. Not only is he black, he lives in Africa. So Yeah, man. Extra straight, credit black. Straight from Zambia. Uh, I'm, I'm going to decenter myself, my white self, and, <laughs> and hear black voices. Um, so this is, this is a quote from the Constitution. Representatives in direct taxes shall be apportioned among the several states which may be included within this union according to their respective numbers, which shall be determined by adding the whole number of free persons, including those bound to service for a term of years and excluding Indians not taxed, three-fifths of all other persons. He says, dear reader, do you not catch that last phrase? Three-fifths of all other persons. No mention of the word slave. No mm. statement that slaves were three-fifths of a person. In fact, the statement affirms the personhood of those to whom it refers, while allowing for only three-fifths of those persons to be included for the purpose of apportioning taxes and representatives. So it was three-fifths of the whole right. voting body, not three-fifths of each person uh, or lack of person. Three-fifths of all other persons. So it's the group, not the individual, basically. Three-fifths of all other persons. So they right. are counted as a person. But as a whole, their voting block is, is going to be three-fifths of that whole voting block, basically. So they're not and saying they're three-fifths of a person. I would assume that was a measure to keep slave states from overrunning uh, free states just by right. number. Right, all of a sudden this population like change. Yeah, you got this massive population change in voting representation. It's like, well, hang on a second. We can't – this is just – that's crazy. We can't just have right. automatically a majority in, in one side of the country. But yeah, that was <laughs> just one of those. Um, but I mean, there is a sense of like, well, they're not really a person. And, the, and, the, and they did do that with black people. They did say they're not evolved. They're, they, right. they did say um, the three-fifths yeah. compromise didn't allude to the lack of personhood. But they were seen as less than, as not really men, basically. You know, in that sense of like owning property mm -hmm. and being free and being, you know, right, right. They, they thought they could not be educated. They thought they could not, you know, do it. Which ironically is being said today by a lot of white people, right? Yes, black people of like, well, they just can't because of their environment, and that's right. exactly what they said about slaves. They're saying the 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 they used to say the black people were enslaved for so long it has like impeded their cognitive abilities like they can't mm. learn because right. generations after generations of illiteracy has made it to where they just can't learn they can't do it poor poor them you know and this was seen as like a sympathetic right you know, right statement not a not a racist evil statement but like oh they're just they can't you know they've been slaves too long they just can't learn and that's exactly what the people are saying about poor minorities today <laughs> of like oh they just haven't had the advantages so it is impossible for them yes. to do this and it's like, what are you saying? This is crazy. You're, you're, you're making a judgment on their capacity based on can their environment. Imagine, can you imagine saying to a black guy like at a restaurant, let me help you with that menu. I know you guys can't read. I mean, it's like that's what white people are supposed to do or something. It's like these white saviors. <laughs> let me help yes, you. Yes, that's you the know? irony of like, they, you know, whenever it's in a movie or something, it's like, oh, the white savior, blah, blah, blah. But then in reality, they live oh. that meme out. Yeah, it's like, well, you white people are the only ones who can do it and who have power. You know? Yes. That's not true. Like, I, <laughs> why would you want that to be true? Why would you know? That's oh, that's insane. 
You um, know, speaking of the the whole compromise and all that, the, the Civil War is another thing where it gets into like incrementalism versus uh, abolition, because that that yeah. was another thing like that where you have incrementalists like William Wilberforce who eventually did get rid of slavery, just he did it diplomatically and through politics, or you know abolitionists who like we got to fight for it or we got to have revolutions or we got to have because like the civil war was the final one but it wasn't the first skirmish yeah in america so check out this section that, that vody Bauckham talks about about abortion as we're on the on the subject uh quote from tim keller the bible tells me that abortion is a sin and great evil but it doesn't tell me the best way to decrease or end abortion in this country nor which policies are most effective as Tim Keller said that, he went on to say, quote, the current political parties offer a potpourri of different positions on these and many, many other topics, most of which, as just noted, the Bible does not speak to directly. This means when it comes to taking political positions, voting, determining alliances and political involvement, the Christian has liberty of conscience. Christians cannot say to other Christians, no Christian can vote for dot, 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 or every Christian must vote for dot, 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 unless you can find a biblical command to that effect. And then Vody Bagum says, set aside for a moment that the fact that thou shalt not kill is a pretty clear biblical command to that effect. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what do you think about that statement, Frank Keller? I never knew he said that about like, oh, well, you know, we don't, it's kind of hard to say. The Bible doesn't really say how to vote. It's like, well, it does say what's right. Right. You know? <laughs> well, that's the problem. Like, in, in theory, if you were just to say out loud, Christians do not have to be Republican or Democrat. You don't have to be either one or the other. That statement in itself is true. That's correct. But when you look at the things that the two parties stand for, yeah. or both parties, it's a lot harder to hold that position. Yeah, I mean, because in, in, in that section he's talking about like Christians being one one issue voters and stuff. Like, and we shouldn't be one issue voters because there's a lot of other things that can lead to. Uh, death and and pain and, and suffering of a lot of people you know talking about poverty talking about inequity of outcome and stuff lead to death and, and all these other things so we should be concerned about those things in our, when we're voting too and you know it's like no i mean that's we can you can't you just I, I, honestly i can't see like babylon b put it you know i think it was the trump election saying like Christians are left with a choice between Democrat and Republican, um, one party that uh, hypocritically and inconsistently holds to their position and one that outright denies it, <laughs> you know? And so it's like, we've got the Republicans who say one thing and do another. We, they say things that we agree with, but don't end up doing them or act very contradictory to it. And then we have Democrats right. who just outright say, this thing is wrong, <laughs> you know? Uh, homosexuality is, right. is is right. Gay marriage is right. Abortion is good. It's like, okay. Hmm. The Republicans are saying abortion is bad, but they're not doing anything about it, right? But the Democrats right. are saying it's good. So who, who who do I choose in that? You know, just on the topic <laughs> of abortion. You know what I mean? So right. it's just, it's those weird things, man. But And then there's so much patriotic idolatry on the right as well. Right, it just right. becomes this other thing. It's just sucked into so, yeah. Well, I was talking about that with a, a friend at church where, you know, I was saying, like, well, I just wish there was more, like, actual Christians in politics. And they were like, oh, well, there's a lot in the America First Party. And I was like, well, I mean, I wish that there was more, like, Calvinistic, post-millennial, actual Christians in politics, not just the yeah. lip service Christians. The dividing line there is the Bible. 
Because a lot of right. people say, a lot of those America First Christians will be like, well, we yeah, the Bible's old, and it's, you know, yeah. it, it's not really, you know, take everything seriously. It's like, okay, well, then you're not a Christian. Like, that's right. that's it. Like, that's the big thing. That's, that's what will divide the true Bible-believing Christian from the good moral American, you right. know, churchgoer. <laughs> and we talked uh, about that a little bit, too, because uh, they were asking about, about end time stuff because i i've taken that role in our small group where it's like oh you the end times person uh so i know they were asking if i thought there was like persecution coming in the future or whatever and i was like i don't know if there's persecution but i think it's going to be a lot harder to be a casual church member than it used to be it's going to be a lot harder to skate under the radar because church isn't respectable anymore like that doesn't get you any clout from being a deacon now you're going to be in church you're going to have to be like in church sold out committed yeah yeah well it's, it's becoming that way on, on both sides with the christians and the pagans because it used to be like a lot of pagans would just be like well i don't really want to believe and you know what's right. good for you good for you. it's like nail and jello tool right it's just kind of mm-hmm. like oh, what do you stand for what do you believe in? they're not making any declarations but well, now they're very happy to make declarations and yes. declarations against you of saying mm-hmm. the, the lukewarmness is is gone it's like right. hey we're about this, and if you're about that, then you suck, and you're terrible. And if you did this, and if you, there's no, there's no middle wishy-washy ground really right. more. It's just, and which is great because then we can actually see the collision of worldviews happening. Yes, which I much prefer. I much rather speak to a militant atheist, communist, god hater, than then someone's like well you know there's a lot of good things and i don't know i'm spiritual i pray but i don't really believe in god but you know it's like i don't know what to do with this person like what do you <laughs> you know it's just insane but like just yeah give me that head-on collision more any day than and right. i think is what our culture is going to so the christians have to be that way too yes and not not in an obnoxious we hate you thing but just like this is what i stand for this is what i believe i'm not ashamed of it i'm not going to water it down i'm just going to say this like yeah homosexuality is wrong but like let's talk about it okay let's have that conversation we the, right. the conversation happens where we disagree right yes and we, we okay love your neighbor okay yeah we all are saying that but what is <laughs> who is your neighbor and what does love mean mm. that's where okay now right. we have a conversation now we're we're here because we can agree on these things but it's it's in the it's in the disagreement is where the conversations can happen and the mm. disagreements are becoming very very clear which means the conversations should become should be become very clear I think I hope so, and that's kind of, in a weird way, making me optimistic of of this. Of like, hey, we're gonna get hot versus cold, and that's good. Like, that's you know, we can see that now. Mm. It's clear. There's still, I think, there's still a few people trying to hold that middle ground, like they haven't realized yet, or they don't know that that, that ground is gone, and they're oh. still trying to like be respectable, respectable middle America, and have all the right popular opinions and none of the wrong ones. But yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know where they are. I know I mean, everybody <laughs> I talk to is like Trump or like we hate Trump or like, you know, who's not even the president. Abortion. Anymore. I mean, just look at the, the reactions from yeah. all news about this abortion law. Right. It's not, oh, uh, you know, there's no middle ground. It's this is horrible. This is terrible. It's the handmaid's tale. It's, oh my gosh, we can't kill our babies now. Uh, you know, and it's like, they're not even hiding the ball anymore. They're just right. like, out with it and so it's like, okay great we got to be too hallelujah yeah. praise and amen this new law thank you like this that's we just say that that's you know yeah but let's talk let's get this going let's get this you know <laughs> it's not just to like get into this christian bubble it's to declare well, the gospel I mean, and the truth and then contend with opposing worldviews 
I mean, we'll see how it plays out in the coming weeks. I I, I don't know. It's going to be weird because I can't imagine that, oh, the Supreme Court let it stand, so that's going to be the end of it. Like, uh, I don't think that's how it's going to happen. Gonna yeah, be- no, I don't think Roe is going to be overturned or anything like that. And um, I guess this opens up to, like, lawsuits or something, kind of like the uh, – right. Because it can't be just like, oh, this is something that's there. Let me just do it. It's got to be like a case to, to like. Well, you know what's crazy, though? Everything. Like with with gay marriage, that is what happened. The Over Supreme Court said whatever. this was. Yeah, they said this was a thing. and Everybody's like, oh, that's the law. That's it. You can't do anything about it. Too late. We won. Yeah. Yeah. And people really don't know what the Supreme Court is there to do. They think they're no. like <laughs> it, the Supreme Court. It gives me the right. Like, no, they don't. Supreme Court doesn't give right. What are you talking about? Like, <laughs> it, it, it declares something constitutional or not. That's that's it. Like, that's basically right. it. it's a court. You know, you're talking about Senate and Congress. They pass laws, and they're the ones that like enact legislation and stuff. So it's not Supreme Court makes a law. Like the Supreme Court actually in this case did nothing. Right. That's the controversy <laughs> is that they did nothing. <laughs> that was like uh, so. when uh, when they wanted Pence to throw out the election results in the electoral college. <laughs> And he didn't, and it was like that. Well, that's what he's supposed to do. He's supposed to do nothing. He's just supposed to be there. <laughs> yeah, that's a big thing with people. We want a politician to do something. Do something. Do something about this. You're the man. Do something. Right. It's like they're not the king. They're not supposed <laughs> to be the king. You know, raining down from on high the law right. and like it's yeah, it's it's super weird. That was we, a, we really got that screwed up on the whole like obey your rulers thing in Romans yes, thirteen, yes. you know, because for for America, the constant as a constitutional republic, our emperor, our ruler in a Romans thirteen sense is the constitution, and the president and all the administrators that they're administrators of the constitution, right? And so they are supposed to be supposed to be held to that emperor, to that right. ruler, to that final thing, say the constitution and they're not and so but so when they say something it doesn't matter that it's unconstitutional you're right. not they're not obeying the emperor you know what i mean it's like it's like you have like in rome you have an emperor and you have like your local governor in in like kind of proprietorship or whatever and then they're doing things that the emperor said you cannot do and it's like right. well hang on what we're supposed to obey the law the ruler you're not the ruler you're the administrator of what the ruler hands out and you're not doing it. So that's the problem. So you, you point them to the constitution, you point them to the emperor, you know? And so right. they're the ones disobeying Romans 13, basically when they're not being constitution. Right. So right. We're, talking, we're talking about documents in a generation that doesn't read. So <laughs> yeah. who's louder. That's who I'm going with. Documents can't, Arrest me for not wearing a mask. <laughs> <laughs> Doctor, we can't shoot me for <laughs> almost going <laughs> <calling> my kids. <laughs> well, speaking of uh, former former presidential candidates, <laughs> gosh, <laughs> this week, dude, my wife was so mad at me because I I threatened to write in Kanye West for like a week leading up to voting. And she was like, I swear if you write a man, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> I was like, give me a reason not to. I can't think of one. <laughs> I know, man. But uh, Kanye West's new album came out this past week. Uh, we've had a couple of days to sit with it. You, after some uh, prodding, because you're yeah. not into it up front. <laughs> it's not my jam. Not your jam at all. Which you, you did say that you liked the last one. You, you liked Jesus is King. I, I did like Jesus is King. 
I did like that one when I first heard. I hadn't listened to a lot, much of Kanye, just the popular stuff and just kind of, right. you know, the like ones everybody knows. Uh, but I didn't. I wasn't like a big Kanye fan or whatever. Like just like a, a normal listener. But then, um, you know, Jesus King. I was like, well, I gotta check that out. You know, right? So I listened to that. <laughs> yeah, I was like, well, that's crazy. Let me check it out. Um, and I liked it. It was good. But this one, I mean, there, first of all, it was like fifty songs. Yeah, and, it's like two hours long. Which is a problem because well, <laughs> most most of the it was a problem because most of the songs sound the same, mm-hmm. and I'm having a hard time figuring out like what what song I can't tell you what song is which, right. um, and there's a lot of auto tune mumble rap, which is just yes. ugh, like it just sucks. Like didn't it go out like ten years ago? I. I was a huge fan of Kanye West, following him pretty much all through. Listen, I have, I think I have all of his stuff on on some format. So when he, I, <laughs> I was convinced that he was gonna die young. That was what I thought was gonna happen after uh, my beautiful dark fantasy came out, twisted fantasy came out, and then when he started dying his hair, and I was like, oh, he's gonna die. We're gonna any day now. We're gonna wake up and it's be Kanye West dead, found oh, dead. It was, I thought that's where it was going. And then kill himself? That's what I thought. I really thought he was going to OD or crash his car again or something like that. Oh, man. Because he looked why, like he was why? having that mental breakdown. Well, he is. He was. But. Well, yes. <laughs> <laughs> but instead, I wake up to the news that Kanye West is a Christian now. So that was a complete 180. So He died uh, to self. He died to self, yes. He died the true death <laughs> so that he could live the true life. Yeah. <laughs> So that was really like for me that was a positive. So I I, I was really into Jesus is King. I thought that one was really good. I thought it was the best album he put out in a while because the ones after uh, Life of Pablo I didn't care for. Uh, Kids see ghosts I didn't really like, and Yay I didn't really like. That one was pretty good because it seemed focused. It wasn't scattershot like he was before. This right. one is kind of a mix. It feels like stuff that he was working on got put on the album with stuff that was focused. Yeah. This one just like let me just throw whatever I got. Thing. Yeah, yeah. And the mumble rap thing is interesting because he, Kanye West, is kind of a guy who changed hip hop in a way, right? Like there was a his album uh, graduation and one of Fifty Cent's album came out on the same day, and it was like a big controversy. Like who's gonna outsell? Who's this is gonna be the determinant of what what where rap goes going forward? And Kanye outsold him like three to one. So like hip hop just changed completely in that point. So I think he was trying to move with it again because it's changed again. Now it's mumble rap and now it's SoundCloud. And he's just not that guy. He can't do that. Yeah. Yeah, I've I've heard some of the same kind of stuff on Eminem's last album, Mm. which is weird too. Yeah. It's like, man, you're like that. He's like the opposite of that. Yes. Of that weird. He's very lyricist. Right. And so like to have like people featured on his songs that are doing that mumble rap thing it's like what the heck and he even like makes fun of it but then he like kind of has it on some of his songs <laughs> but, but it's like okay where can i find someone to a new trending right, right. hot new hip, hip-hop star that's not mumble rap you can't right you know <laughs> so. i mean that's just, like that's you got to move units still you still got to make sales so you got to put somebody <laughs> featured on you who, who the kids are hip to now yeah, and this like fake fight he had with Machine Gun Kelly. And, like, <laughs> that was the saddest part for me. Like, why are you fighting with Machine Gun Kelly? 
That's weird. Oh, man. When you called him Stan, that was like, <laughs> that was amazing. Have you seen this thing where people refer to themselves as stands? Like Eminem fans? Yeah, no, just like general fans of anything in general. <laughs> like obsessive, I want to. Yeah, I didn't know that was that was what they were referencing, but that's <laughs> what it's a reference to the song. And I was like, oh, this has yeah. gone too far. <laughs> mm. uh, the lyrical content was super interesting because he does talk a lot about uh, his marriage or his former marriage, his failed marriage. Kanye. In, yeah. On. Yeah. And it, on. that was super interesting to me to kind of hear that play out. So I don't know what's going on. Like, are they divorced or like what happened? <laughs> From what I understand is that she basically this is this is what I gather from what I've seen and read. Um, you know, they got married before he had this spiritual awakening. It was like Corinthians thing of like Yes, you know, exactly. Yeah. He went one way and <laughs> totally, she was not having it. Yeah. But if she decides to go let them Yeah. Go. And apparently that's what happened. She decided to file for divorce. Uh and one of the things I saw was really interesting is it was her talking about how you know, he wanted to move to Montana and he wanted to get out of L.A. and he wanted to get away from the, the celebrity culture and everything. And she just couldn't do it. She didn't want to. She wanted to stay in L.A. and be that's in all that. She is. That's what she is. That's exactly. Like that's and, uh, you know, function without that. Ironically, that's why he married her in the first place. But he was a different person then. So that just it yeah. didn't work anymore. So seeing all that kind of play out and him talking about seeing her kind of not be in love with him and kind of have other interests and their marital breakdown was super interesting and kind of his searching and grasping for God in that was really interesting to see play out. Mm. And, you know, to see like your, your life, you think your life's together and it's starting to fall apart and still kind of holding on to like, I, you know, I, he had a line that said, I got to where God, where the blessings are. And I was like, ah, it's, that's true. Like even when it's when it's weary and dire, you still got to stay there. And then it's the fact that it's about it's called Donda about his mom. And when she died, that was another big thing for him. Ironically, his mom died uh, from complications related to plastic surgery. What? Yeah, that's how she died. Oh man. So it's kind of like his celebrity lifestyle, because like he, she wasn't getting that before he was a rapper, obviously. But him being famous. <sighs> Kind of put her into that too, and he then killed she her in that life. He is his lifestyle kind of killed her. Oh man, it's nuts. So Damn, you know all of that on top of it, yeah. So yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was really cool to just see him kind of put it all out there, what he's yeah. feeling, what he's going through, what he's thinking. Uh, there was some controversy because he had Marilyn Manson on there. What in the the jail track? I think Marilyn Manson is credited as a writer. I don't know what he wrote. It was the guitar breakdowns or what, but he's a he's credited as a writer on there. Hey, you know, I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that I didn't like it that much. <laughs> I, 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 I was just, I didn't even know it was coming out till till you said something. I was like, okay, well, check right, it yeah. Out. And it's just like, man, it's it's very. Uh, I, it's like a first draft kind of, you mm -hmm. know, like man, kind of. Filter through some of this a little bit. Right. Makes, put something else in there of like, or take some stuff out or like, you know, it's like, it's like a, some, someone's written a really, really super long novel. And it's like, you've got way mm -hmm. too much stuff in here, dude. You got to like, <laughs> cut this down. And it's like, you, there's no second draft. It's just, yes. you just leave everything in. It's like, mm, right. maybe not. So that was kind of, that's probably my biggest like assessment of it just mm -hmm. as an album. 
Um, and yeah, it's weird. The whole, um, man, it's, it, 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 it does show that. So does he like cuss still on his albums? So and then that's, what was, out? that's what was weird because there's, <laughs> He says he says hell a couple of times in that constant like why the hell are you coming why would you why the hell would you and so that was but then yeah there's a couple of like dead spots where you can tell he's saying the n word yeah the n word was written but it doesn't say yeah he's like yeah with some real and it's like okay yeah. did, you, did you like say it and cut it out I don't say it like you're writing the song right like you're not saying someone else's well, it song it just flows it's second nature yeah. <laughs> Uh, it was kind of weird. I was like, "Why, why do it and then cut it out?" It's one thing to do it, right. and then, but another thing to do it and then cut it out. Like, if you if you're writing this, why not just not? <laughs> why not say it? Or yeah, don't something. It. I don't know. Yeah, that was. A, <laughs> I thought that was kind of weird. Some weird choices there. That was odd. I, I did notice that. That did stick out. <laughs> so, what was your favorite song on that? Ooh, it, probably, Jesus Lord. Is probably still my favorite of the whole thing. Yeah, that's the I, I can I can pick that one out of the album of what song it right. is. Yeah, and then, I think uh, "Jail" is probably my favorite song. Oh, that's gee, that's it's so good because it's so like bare and stripped. It's real raw. Yes, who's gonna jail now? Yeah, God's gonna post my bail now. <laughs> and He's like happy about it. He's like heavy distorted guitar, just that. Yeah, like it's real. Yeah, it's that's real good. Yeah, that's a good one because that is that kind of like surrender of like, all right, it's just me and you, God. You know, yeah. like this yeah. is it. I'm about to be taken. My whole life, like, was it? I got priors. <laughs> like, he's getting pulled over <laughs> and stuff. And it's like, all right, I'm going to jail. I, I remember talking to somebody one time. I was talking about getting pulled over. Was that Heroes? Um, mm. I won't mention names, but um, <laughs> nobody we, we really work too closely with, but some people. Okay. Uh, <laughs> But we were just talking about like, oh, I got pulled over, oh, I got ticket or something. Oh, and then there's times like, yeah, yeah. It, it's like I was like, man, just like seeing those headlights and you know it's for you. Like, dang, that sucks. Like I'm getting pulled over, and he's like, yeah, especially when you know you're gonna be arrested. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, hmm, that's a little different than what I what goes through my head. I when I when I get when I see uh, police lights uh in my rearview mirror i don't think i'm gonna be arrested That's right i think i'm gonna be late for something call me white privilege but uh <laughs> but i don't think I'm gonna, be, I'm gonna be inconvenienced at most but i'm pretty sure i know what i've done in my past so uh but yeah so he was like talking about he's holding and he's like yep, i'm gonna get arrested tonight like i'm gonna pull it so it made me kind of think of that of like all right well, here we go. You know, it's just kind of that surrender of like my life's mm. different now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's kind of funny too because it, you know, when you're when you're sinning, I feel like you kind of have that mentality, like you know mm -hmm. you're gonna get caught, but you're gonna ride it out until you're not. Yeah. And then when you do get caught, it's like, well, I guess this is it. <laughs> like, there's no getting out of it. When when you were a kid, did you ever did you tend to think more that you would? get away with stuff or that you'd always be caught. No, oh, I always thought I would be caught. Me too. I always thought it never even crossed my mind to like even do it because I think I'm just going to get caught. There's no way I'm going to get away with this. <laughs> and so I, like, and it can't, I mean, I guess that kind of negativity, like 
it, it, is that like a lack of confidence in yourself of like, <laughs> I, I can get away with it, you know? No, it's, like, you had I, a, I can't. I won't get away with them. They'll no, find out. You had a Mexican mom. That's what it is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I they find out would, everything. He would say, God will let me know. God, I was like, what? <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> You're uh, praying about that. Like, are you really talking to her? Yeah, like, what the heck? You know? Um, <laughs> I thought we were cool. Yeah, no, I never thought I'd get away with anything. I thought I'd, I'd always get caught. I had a friend one time, kind of, probably a friend I shouldn't have had, uh, came to my bedroom window one night to like go to a party. Like, hey, man, let's let's go. And I was like, are you out of your mind? I'm not sneaking out of the house. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> like, it, was, it just didn't even like, I was like, no, I can't, I can't go. And, because like my mom's gonna come in the middle of the night and see my empty room, right? And like that's gonna be an issue. That's gonna be like how I, I just assume she's gonna just get up in the middle of the night for some reason, open my door and see me gone, like in the middle of the night. Like that is what will happen if if I leave or like even yeah. just now. And no matter even if I'm here, she's gonna come right. And see she's me gonna come in and see. Yeah. <laughs> right. So it's like it never crossed my mind of like I'm gonna get away. I'll sneak out. I'll get away with it. I'll come back or whatever. But I don't know. I think a lot of kids, like, I remember people saying, like, I don't care. And it's like, what? How do you not care that you, like, just get in trouble or something? <laughs> I remember people, uh, there being, like, an issue one time where, like, cops were called to a party. And we were skedaddling. And some people, like, weren't. And were like, You're F right it. Up. I don't. Yeah, they're like, F it. I don't care. I'm like, I, I don't want to be arrested. How can you just, like, shrug off, like, being arrested like that? Well, let's go. We got to get out of here. <laughs> It's that it's kind of like the it's the hands off parenting because it's that idea that like my parents are gonna find out because they're gonna check like they're gonna look into something. But yeah. if your parents are more hands off, you probably never had to deal with consequences ever. So they're like consequences aren't serious to you in any way. Yeah, I don't know. It's just weird. I always thought I'd get caught. I never thought I'd get away with anything. And <laughs> yeah, and it's just that it, that. But when you are in trouble, it is that like okay, well here we go. Like this right. is just I got caught. Like I'm and now we just deal with the fallout of. Whatever this is, so that's, that's kind of song about that, and I think that is that like God catching you, you know, rather than mm -hmm. like, well, here, let me do something great by by inviting Jesus into my heart, versus that that coming to salvation story versus uh, I'm I'm caught, like right. you you got me, like this is it. There's no I can't deny this. This is I surrender, and this is just I'm not going to fight this. I'm not going to run try and run away anymore. I'm here. You got me and let's deal with this. I repent. And that's, you know, and it's really, it's really that like train wreck of coming to Christ. You know, mm. I, th I think a lot of times it's portrayed as like this amazing thing that you do, that you've just like finally been enlightened and see the light. Right. And to, to a certain extent that is true, but it's not, it, it's, it's not always pretty, no. you know, yeah. because you have to, it's not pretty when you have to deal with your sin, when you right. have to look and realize the debt you owe, right? That is a tough pill to swallow of like wait what i hang on that's a sin wait hang on <laughs> but i love that <laughs> like, but i kind of identify and define my life by that right tell me that's a sin i mean that's a hard thing to to deal with and most people don't that's what people idolize it and it is their identity and they don't want to repent and confess that sin but the bible calls it a sin so that's it's just that and that's the where the denial comes from of like well i'll say what's a sin you know, right. instead of just accepting that and then repenting of it. Um, 
yeah that's a that's a surrender it's more of a, just like a waving a white flag of like i'm done like this is it you got me i'm here like just take it take everything and you know just scary because you don't know what that word that it could mean jars of clay have a really good song called worlds apart and um it, it really is about that like oh, yeah, yeah. you know take my world apart i was like you know what you're saying like that <laughs> that could be some of your favorite <laughs> idols you know and <laughs> you're gonna cr cr crush your idols and melt them down to make you drink it. drink it like, oh, mm. okay. Uh, that's that's what coming to Christ. That's what that's what becoming a Christian looks like. I mean, really, mm. and that that's what that is. And I think Kanye really understands that. Of like, he's having to drink a lot of molten iron right now. Oh, you yeah. know, just through his whole life of everything, and that and he's doing it publicly. And it's like, man, this is. I remember some when when this whole thing when he first became a Christian, it was like there was a lot of like, yeah, we'll see. You know, it was a lot of like, okay, yeah, uh -huh, sure, sure, whatever. Kanye, he, yeah, he had some emotional experience. Okay, whatever. He'll be, you know, same as that person next year. You know, and it's and I remember someone said it really resonated with me. It's like, man, I really, I'm, I'm really, really glad the entire world wasn't watching me when I first became a Christian, <laughs> <laughs> because I mean, that was, I mean, it's kind of a process of like. Again, crushing those idols and melting them down and getting rid of that, like cleaning out. It's a lot of like just cleaning to do. Um, just in in that understand, not not to earn salvation, but that you now that you are saved and can act rightly to crush those idols and get rid of right. these things and change and kind of go through the whole process. Um, yeah, do that publicly in front of the entire world. <laughs> Man, <laughs> that's just waiting for me to mess up. Waiting yeah. for me to be a hypocrite. Just waiting for me to, you know, contradict the things I say I believe now. You know, like, man, I'm really glad all those cameras weren't on me when I first began right. Christian, because <laughs> that, that really like made me think, like, man, that's true. Like, that's that that's a that's a tough place to be. But I mean, you know, by all by all accounts, I guess. I mean, the fact that like the divorce with Kim didn't. You know what I mean? Like, cause that's an idol and that's a, right. you know, a status and that's a thing that he's right, willing right. to just let go. And it's like, okay, that's, I mean, that's what happens. I don't know, man. It's, it's, yeah, that's crazy. I hadn't thought about it from that perspective that he's having to do it all in public <laughs> with a record of everything. And that was one of the things that I thought was interesting. Like the most public. When, <laughs> when he first became a Christian, he was trying to get, all his old music pulled off Spotify and Apple. And oh, really? yeah, he was trying to get it all pulled off and he couldn't do it because he doesn't own the rights. Yeah. Universal I was, owns the rights. I was wondering about that. Yeah. I was wondering about that of like, okay, well, how come he still got all that stuff on there? Was like, well, yeah, he, he's, he's, he's been in a legal fight with Universal to try to get the rights, but I mean, what are you going to do? You're in a contract. You can't get the rights back. He was on a, yeah. a I forget who was interviewing him. And uh, they were talking about it, and they were like, well, what if we still like the old music? And he's like, well, you can go on eBay, you can type in Kanye West, and you can find the CDs on there. But, yeah, he can't get anything pulled. It, uh, apparently, he said that this album was released before he gave the okay. Universal yeah, saw, was like, it's I, good enough. Well, so I saw that. It said they released it without Jail 2, Part 2, mm -hmm. but then it's on there. Well, okay, so this is, where, this is where it gets weird. When they released it, it was on there, but it's not the same Jail 2 that's on there now. Oh. So, like, they, okay. they tweaked it from then to now. Can't he just, like, release the 
original somewhere or something. Like, I don't know if there's like a contractual thing that keeps them from doing that. I also saw there was some kind of beef with between him and some mumble rapper I never heard of. <laughs> complaining about like, oh, he asked me to be on this track or something, and then I'm not even on there or something like that. And like causing a huge fuss. And like a lot of people like, oh, he's insane. He's stupid, wasting my time. Like, and I'm like, I haven't even heard of this guy. <laughs> Who is this? And then I see him like, and then he put it was. I guess the song was was supposed to be on remote control, and okay. and I he like has something on his Instagram of him doing his part. I was like, this sucks. Like, <laughs> that's why you're not on the track, right? <laughs> I think we all know why, you know. But it's just that mumble. Let me just wrap the saying that. Over and over and over again. Oh my god, dude, this sucks. <laughs> yeah, but I don't know. A lot of drama. <clears throat> so one of the things uh, when we were talking about it is that there had been for a long time I had heard about and kind of checked in on, but wasn't really into reform hip hop. Yeah, and like Christian hip hop with a reform angle to it, and. Shylin, I guess, is like the biggest dude. Um, there's another guy, Tadashi, who's supposed to be like a another flame. Flame is just never really stuck with me. I just couldn't. Beautiful eulogy. Beautiful, yeah, um, all of those. I was, always, I thought this is kind of corny. This is not. Yeah, even. it's really, was, really. Yeah, something I should be 100 percent into. Right, I'm not, just not at all. <laughs> It's very strange. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, something about. I mean, it's cool. I like it. And like I say, it's like not not good. I'm not saying it's not good. <laughs> I'm saying um, it's not good. I'm not saying it's not good. It's just like I don't know, like for maybe maybe there's some things in life that are just like too on the nose. You know what I mean? Right. Like, <laughs> right. I, <laughs> like someone will tell me about something and like, oh, uh, yeah, it's this great thing. It's like about or like uh, about. Uh, comic books or something, and I'll watch it. I'm like, I don't like this. This is, you know, <laughs> so it's like, but you like comics, and like, it's, they're yeah, hitting all I mean, the right just, things, but it's just not. Know. You don't like, feel like, like like Big Bang Theory or something, yes. right? Like, I should love Big Bang Theory, but I don't. Right. You know, so it's like, sorry, like maybe it's big. It's, I think you can get too close to things. Maybe you know, mm. it's like somebody works at a pizza parlor, and it's like, oh, there's this pizza, and it's like, yeah, I don't care. Like, would you work at a pizza place? Like, yeah, I know it. Dude, I that was how many times did people try to talk to you about comics at the store, and you're just like, I, I don't, I don't care. I mean, I, I like to talk about comics, but it was, it's just, it's hard because you're just around it all day. I think with with something like that, because you know we had like Rick and Rob, and like people kind of like they they had kind of already kind of gone through that phase of of hating comics and then kind of <laughs> <laughs> so like when, when you're like a fan and a customer you you like comics and you read you read everything you don't know what's good right. you don't know what's good and then you work there and you're surrounded by it all day talk about it all day and then you hate comics and it's like oh yes. my god so i don't care anymore let me watch football or something and then <laughs> but then you kind of but then what you start doing is you start refining your taste right yes. and so then right. you know what comics to read what writers what artists and stuff and so you kind of know what's good and what's not and you know that like 80 percent is not good right and then but you didn't know that before but you kind of got to go through that like 
baptism by fire of like you know in it all the time and just gets, you, you gotta like get yeah it's like you gotta get sick of it to uh, start appreciating the best of it and i don't know if that's really where i am with like the re- reform hip-hop and stuff but um i don't know i just never really got into it i don't my my uh <laughs> oh mark oh man i miss mark <laughs> dude mark was the highlight of most days oh my god yes he was oh dude i remember like one time he was leaving the store and for some reason he said something he said csi miami is the bomb.com <laughs> I don't know if he was quoting something or like <laughs> where that came from. I was like, what? <laughs> and then the, the story about when he got mugged. Oh, yeah, with the rock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so funny. Oh, man. That's what, when you told when you were talking about the hero story getting pulled over, I was like, that's like five people I could think of that it could fit that story. It wasn't Mark. <laughs> no, it wasn't Mark, no. But it was five other people I could think of where that would fit. I'm going to drag Mark's good name through the mud. <laughs> through the mud. No, it wasn't Mark. It wasn't anybody It wasn't anybody that worked at the 410 store. Let's uh, just say Let's just say that. Okay, we'll leave it which, there. Which narrows it down quite a bit. <laughs> but also very uh, few options. <laughs> <laughs> So my problem with the reform hip hop is kind of uh, the same problem with some like Christian podcasts, Christian people, <laughs> preachers, I guess, is this this idea of you're telling me things I already know, but not anything about them that I actually care about. Yeah. So like with, with Kanye, what's interesting is like he's not giving me anything super deep as far as theological statements or ideas, but – I'm getting a glimpse into how it actually affects his life. Yeah. And like how he actually believes. Like when he says something like what what they vandalize, he'll evangelize. Like that's not a super deep statement, but at the same time, like, man, I get that on a deeper, like I understand where you're coming from. But with the reform stuff, it's like they're just giving me the facts and that's it. Yeah. And that kind of got me thinking about something we've talked about where it's – Official theology versus functional theology. What you believe, what you believe versus what you live. Yeah. Yeah. That's uh that 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 idea came on my radar uh man, I guess almost three years ago now. Um uh, maybe more than three years ago now. Our church did a community group thing, a book study through uh this book called Sexual mm. Sanity for Men. I think the the women had one too, but we had like basically just discipleship groups um, that got into it and that, you know, went through it together and stuff. And that's actually what started uh, my discipleship group with two, with two guys from church uh, every Friday morning at gyms. And we have been consistently meeting every Friday morning with like a small handful of times missed uh, every Friday morning to meeting together to go through a book. And since then, since we started that, like over three years ago, through COVID on Zoom, 6 a.m., let's meet on Zoom, you know, we stayed with it. Dude, I mean, talk about discipline and like discipleship. Dude, I would, rather, I would rather get up at six to meet in person than on Zoom. 
Well, we tried, but nothing was open. We can't I know, open. but it's, well, we it did go Zoom. to his house. We did go to one of the guy's house and stuff, but I got my family here. It's all loud. And so, but like, he was <laughs> single, so we went over to his house, you know. So we did do that through COVID and stuff, but also through Zoom and everything. But um, no, man, yeah, it's really been a, that, that's been a huge uh, boon to my Christian walk is, is these, these two guys that just the con- that consistency and gaining trust and gaining, like going through, like we've gone through, all of Genesis, Job, Jonah, Romans, John. Uh, we're going through Puritan paperback right now. We've gone through Sproul, uh, Work of Christ. Gone through this. Uh, we've gone through like almost ten books together of just like chapter by chapter every week, meeting up and talking about it. And it's, it's been good, man. It's just been really, really good. I mean, um, but yeah. So this is kind of where all that started was with this book, and in it he talks about. Um, it's, it's about fighting sexual morality and just like that lust and pornography and just right. sexual morality in general and everything. But any, he talks about, um, the functional theology versus your official theology. And that really like resonated with me. Like, man, that is, that's a big one that we all, like we talked, like you said, like we kind of go through of like, I know black and white on paper, what is right, but then I know right. what I do right. and what and it's, 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 it's getting those. <laughs> lined up you know right uh but this first part where he talks about it um where he says uh this is often how we live even as christians we sing hymns and worship songs that exalt god declaring with the psalmist that his quote steadfast love is better than life psalm 63 3 this is our official theology but the way we live demonstrates another allegiance our sexual sin reveals our functional theology here's another way to think about it your true religion is what you delight in. Mm. The thing that most excite your heart and make life worth living are pointers toward what, toward where you place your ultimate hope. Mm. And I was like, whoa, like, because <laughs> you can say all day long, right? right? I mean, you can say, and you can quote chapter and verse, and you can know the right answers, and you can do everything, but, and then you live your life. And it's like, okay, well, what is that? That's not what you just said. You right. know, and so, but it's like, and it's hard because, like, how can you know something so cognitively correct and not have it play out in your life? Mm. You know, and it's just it, what you do shows more where your allegiances lie, where you're putting your hope. You know, so it, mm. that that was a really big, uh, big idea. That's yeah, man. That's because that's funny because that's what I was talking about with somebody today because we got into a little abortion debate. And, uh, you know, we started, it got into religion a little bit because it's on scripture or whatever. And he said, well, are we talking about what religion we believe in or what we think about abortion? And I was like, well, there's not a difference. Mm. <laughs> they're, they're, they're the same thing. It shouldn't be. Because what yeah. you do is going to say what your religion is. That's Right. Right. Yeah. So James. So Warren... I, but I think there is on not just that. I think on a lot of things, there's a difference. Yeah. Well, so James 1, 22, 25 says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves for if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror for he looks at himself and goes away and at once forget what he was like but the one who looks into the perfect law the law of liberty and perseveres being no hearer who forgets but a doer who acts he will be blessed in his doing and so that's the whole thing of like well we can say and hear i know what i'm supposed to do i don't do it (laughs) you know that's man that's rough 
because <laughs> yeah. it is it's not one of those there's so many things where there's no ambiguity at all from a scriptural perspective like it's clear what you're supposed to do and is how many times we just don't do it for whatever we like the other option better or it's easier or whatever yeah well we like to lay out our we want to lay out our theology of of of, of who we are we want to tell you mm. so the thing is in storytelling in storytelling in novel writing and in, in, in creative writing and literature and stuff um where you it's it's the difference between showing and telling right yes right so like when you, you read a book and it's like a novel or something and it's just telling you what is happening and how the people are feeling and all this stuff and it's like okay great thanks you know but when they <laughs> but when they play out some a character's uh personality through what he's doing Mm. Then you see that, and it's like, oh wow, like that that impacts us more than mm. just telling you about this mobster or something, right. this mob guy. He's a he's connected to the mafia. It's like, okay, great, okay, I have the information <laughs> now. But when they show you through scenes and like play something out of him taking money from somebody, it's like, man, whoa, that's what that looks like. That's what that means, and right. you get it. But you're they're showing you instead of telling you, mm. right? And that's always the best kind of storytelling. That's the best right. drama. That's the best kind of literature and stuff is when you're shown it and you kind of piece it together yourself and make your own assessment of that person through mm -hmm. their actions. Then just like, he's the, he's the bad guy. Hey, everyone, he's the bad guy. It's like, okay, great, thanks. And, <laughs> you know, when it show you like, oh, wow, he's doing these terrible things. And this is what, you know, we create this, you know, we're more, we're more, uh, we can connect with it more. I think we can relate right. to it more when we see something be so actions taken rather than saying, Oh, he's the bad guy. Cause I'll never say I'm the bad guy. You know, I'll never, it's like the author says, this is, this character is the bad guy. It's like, okay, great. Well, that's not me. I'm not, I'm a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. But then I see him do, but if I see him do bad things that I've done, it's like, Oh, mm. well, what is that? And then you slowly realize through the storytelling and through the actions and being shown, this is the bad guy. And you see them doing a lot of things and feeling a lot of things, whatever that you maybe felt. It's like, am I a bad guy? Like you start <laughs> questioning yourself. You start seeing that that mirror, right? We show. You know what? That that reminds me because I'm thinking of Tarantino while you're talking about this. Is in in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, there's that rumor that Cliff killed his wife, but they never tell you if he killed his wife or not. And the whole time I'm watching the movie, I'm thinking, there's no way he killed his wife, right? But it's just because I like this guy because he's cool. He does cool things. Yeah. He fight, you know. But that doesn't yeah. negate the idea that he could have killed his yeah. wife. Well, if you read the book, you know he killed his wife. Nah, I haven't read the book yet. <laughs> Damn it. Now I can't read the book because you told me. <laughs> and it's only $10. Yeah. I keep thinking about buying it every time I'm there. <laughs> you should. Uh, no, yeah. Yeah, it's true. It's like you leave, leave it to the imagination. Leave it to mystery and stuff. Right. You know, and cause you, your, your imagination can think of something worse than what they could show you with the special right. effects or whatever. Um, and kind of leave that part up to you, but yeah, that's the drama of this thing. And when you talk about like the difference between Kanye and these like reformed uh hip hop people who like uh, it's like the difference between a textbook and like living an experience or something. Mm. And it's not to say that the, what the, what's in the textbook isn't true. There is right. truth in that, but it doesn't resonate with us uh, because we're not ex we're not engaging in the drama there together. And right. I, that's why I think that's why the, I think it's, it's so great that the Bible is a story and mm. it's like the greatest story ever told it's a drama and there's like certain steps so there's a really good podcast called the white horse Inn where they examine uh the four d's they talk about the four d's in like the christian walk which is drama doctrine doxology and mm -hmm. discipleship 
And so you see the drama of everything played out, right? Christ and you know, chasing after the bride and the whole, I mean, uh, Doug Wilson put said the, the entire story of the Bible is kill the dragon, get the girl, you know? And it's like, wow, that is the story of the Bible. That's the whole, that's the Bible. And it's, and it's also this drama about the father finding a bride for his son, right? Too. Right. Which yes. we see with like Jacob and Isaac and stuff. And, uh, or, um, yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, so we see that and, um, um, yeah. So it's the drama, doctrine, doxology, and discipleship. So you, you, we're engaged in the drama. We're drawn in by the story where it touches our heart. It affects us. And then, uh, we're brought into the doctrine. Like, what does this all mean? And I think that's where the, the reformed hip hop guys are, you know, right. Yes. Like Kanye is at the drama, like mm -hmm. pulling people in and like resonating and we can relate to it. And we've been through that Valley and all those things. And then we get to the textbooks and stuff of like doctrine, mm -hmm. like, well, what does this all mean? What does this, let's parse this out, you know, scripturally. Right. 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 And then it's the doxology of like, God's amazing. This right. is the adoration and this is the praise and, and worship and stuff. And then it's the discipleship of like playing mm -hmm. that out. And so that's that. So that, though that doctrine is like our official theology and the discipleship is the functional theology. Mm -hmm. It's maybe the discipline in our daily lives and discipleship in that learning more about it. Maybe that's the problem for me. Maybe they just haven't misplaced because like mm -hmm. art is story, but they're not telling me a story. Yeah. It's not really art. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> but 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 like what Kanye is doing is because he's 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 showing that personal experience. Yes. And he's drawing you into that relatable those relatable moments. Right. I'm going to jail tonight, you know. Whatever. <laughs> it's like okay, like we've kind of all experienced some, some version of that. Right. Um, but yeah, so um yeah, official theology versus functional theology. And um let me just read this one section as well. Matthew seven, fifteen through 23 uh beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing but inwardly are ravenous wolves you will recognize them by their fruits are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles so every healthy tree bears good fruit but the diseased tree bears bad fruit a healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown to the fire thus you will recognize them by their fruits not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, workers of lawlessness. That is like one of the most <sighs> freak me out moments in the, in, the, in, in the bible in in scripture because it's like uh they say to me lord i have prophesied in your name cast out yeah. demons in your name do many mighty work i've never prophesied i've never cast out demons i've never done mighty works and you know even those guys he didn't he said i never knew you you know what i mean like someone's yeah. prophesying in christ's name and casting out demons and, and jesus say like, i know i don't know who you are i don't know you you're not mine and it's like I've not done anything like that. Cool. <laughs> you know, it's like, what is he going to say about me when I come to him saying, Lord, Lord. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's this really freak me out thing of the difference between a living faith mm. and mental ascension. Mm. Right. Right. And that's hard for me being like, because that's what, 
fires me up in like my been my biggest draw in my Christian walk is the theology and the books and the doctrine and the understanding of it in in all the official theology like all that and it's like oh man am i just mentally ascending to something or do i have like real faith in this mm-hmm. a living faith in this am i bearing good fruit am i you know doing this and am i doing the will of the father who's in heaven right and it, you know that's that's kind of like freaks me out because like well, how would you even know <laughs> you know right i you know it, i it, we have a video about this in our TikTok page. If anybody wants to go there and check that out, uh, so it's that idea of the relationship, right? And and I think there's that. That's where the the crux is. Because when I think about that, I think about my dad, uh, who never knew my birthday or how old I was, ever. I just did not, could not remember when I was born or how old I was at any point in my life. But we had a relationship. Like he knew, he he didn't know any of that. But he was there, wasn't he? I was there. I got to know how old you are. Good enough. I got you a present. <laughs> he couldn't. He couldn't tell you my birthday or, or uh, when I was born. But if you took him to the comic book store, he could pick out a book that I liked. Mm. So like he did. He didn't have the facts, maybe, but he knew me enough yeah. to know what I what I liked and what I didn't like. Yeah, yeah. And I think that. it's that way with with it's that way with the Christian faith. Like, there's a lot of people that can recite the Bible, but it's another thing to know what's pleasing to God and to do that thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, it's that. It's that. It's the difference. It's that we're knowing, right? It's not just a cognitive right. understanding of you. It's that relational Adam yes. knew Eve, right? Yes. That's what. That's right. what God, that's what Christ is talking about. There is like, I do not have an intimate, interpersonal relationship with you. I know who you are. Right. I know yeah. everything about you, but you're not mine. Right. I, I do not know you in that relational way, right? Mm-hmm. That familiar way, in that connected way uh that a man loves his wife right um the man you know adam went into eve and knew her, knew her. and she bore a son right <laughs> that kind of <laughs> the biblical new you know well, that's why <laughs> that's why marriage is such a perfect picture of the gospel because like right. who do you know better than somebody that you've been like that with like there's no deeper intimacy than that mm-hmm. yeah Knew her biblically. That was yeah, supposed to in, uh, t- is it a Talladega Nights where he's talking about? Because <laughs> because he knew her in the biblical. <laughs> yeah. It's yeah. what's his name, Kenneth from uh, <laughs> from Thirty Rock. Rock. <laughs> oh, man. He's probably my favorite part of that show. I watched that whole show. That's like the best part. He's like this like angel or something <laughs> it's like a mortal character i remember he had there was one part where he was like bald and for he was playing leap day william the the leap day mascot guy and he's bald and he's like and they're like it's, it's like all these weird things you don't know about him right and he's like they're like oh, kenneth take off that bald that that bald cap he's like yes take off the ball cap not put on my wig <laughs> That actor is so perfect for that role because he is that like, so how weird. old are you? Where are you from? <laughs> so ambiguous, so weird. Like, yeah. No, that's good. But yeah, that's that knowing. That's the new. That's the biblical right. knowing of like that. Really, I never knew you. You were never mine. I never, you're never part of this. And that's freaky, man. That's just yeah, that's it really, really is. Because you know, we look at we 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 put in high esteem casting out demons and prophesying in the name. Right. 
and you know do mighty works in your name like that's what we're kind of all about so a lot of people's christianity is is just kind of this actions and stuff but then it's like well what the heck like what what am i supposed to do what how do i know and mm. and i think it's the conviction of sin mainly right. and the repentance of sin and you know that if you don't repent and confess sin you're not christian and so mm. it's like okay what the heck? all right and then and if you don't and if you're justifying sin and if you're calling good what god calls evil i mean that's that's a big part of it um and i think you can do that and be doing mighty works in god's name right. you know um at least outwardly appearance wise well there's the the uh the section where the the high priests are talking and caiaphas caiaphas says something about jesus and then john has a little footnote like he was prophesying because he was the high priest that year he didn't know he was prophesying but he was yeah, yeah and it's just that funny thing like he's completely pagan he's plotting to kill somebody but also he's prophesying like the thing he's saying is still a prophecy from god yeah this again from this from this book from david white um he says again all christians live with both an official theology and a functional theology our official theology is the faith we publicly profess we proclaim many things about god and declare with the psalmist that he is steadfast love better than life but we live very differently uh, here's a small example. I believe God sees everything I do, that I have been entrusted as his steward with children to shepherd and raise to adulthood and spiritual maturity. I believe I will be accountable for every idle word I speak. Even more significantly, I believe that my joy and contentment in life are found in walking in step with the Spirit, faithfully living out my calling. But there are countless times when my desire for comfort, solitude, and tranquility trumps everything else. I believe those things will give me life. This becomes my functional theology, and I throw out my official theology in an instant, willing to yell at my children in order to get what I crave most. Hmm. Man, that <laughs> hits hard. <laughs> that hits home. Like, oh my gosh, how many times have I idolized my free time, my hobby time, my fun time, whatever, to the expense of yelling at my kid or something for annoying me or, or something. It's like, Oh my gosh, like what I know everything that the Bible says about being a father and like what that means. And I can read it and know it and everything, but then it comes in that moment and I just like yell at him or something, or I get annoyed and I just let that, like a functional theology completely throw away everything. I just said, I know is true about fatherhood and stuff. And it's like, man right this is this that sucks man like <laughs> something to contend with in, fa in, in, in face man you know yeah man it's it's oof. but how many times will you like not inconvenience yourself for your wife either like yeah you know just little things like that it's like you need function like functionally we know what everything that it says about being a father and a husband and it's like yeah but me though right well i think we categorize a lot of those things of our in our official theology we categorize a lot of great works and doing things uh in these big ways of like well i'll be a martyr for god i'll, I'll right. say yes i'll you know take a i'll do that and and stuff and say okay great but you're probably never gonna be in that situation <laughs> you know what i mean what it looks right. more like is kind of compromising with your dummy friends or something and like, right, right. you know, or watering another guy. Like that's what it's going to mostly mm. look like. A lot of people say like, I'll take a bullet for my wife. It's like, yeah, but when would you ever have to take a bullet for your wife? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like it's easy right. to say when you'll never experience that situation, but what you won't do is let something go on a fight. Mm. You know what I mean? Right. 
or like I'll I'll do the dish. You know, like I won't. Right. I'll take a bull. I'll walk in front of traffic for her, <laughs> but I won't. You know, I'm watching a video right now. <laughs> you give a kid a bath. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's like, oh my gosh! But because those are the moments. That's that's when our functional theology is revealed. Not right. in. The, I'll take a bullet. That's not going to come. <laughs> we're not. You know, we save that, but I, I won't. You know, lose a fight for her. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's just like, oh my gosh! And, and those are the moments we face more often. And that's when our functional theology really gets revealed. And mm -hmm. what does it show? You know, it shows that you saying, I'll take a bullet for her. It's probably a lie, <laughs> you know, <laughs> because you won't even do the dishes for her or something, mm. you know. Yeah, that's true. Wow. <laughs> and that's what I think the modern times is revealing about church, too, is like, you know, we, we grew up with that idea of like martyrdom and all, all of that. But we don't we still want to have friends at work and like we still want to be able yeah. to post on facebook and we still so we we're going to make little compromises here we're going to water down this and we're going to mm -hmm. watch our language here and we're going to take this point here and just you know be clean but on the outside that's what we we're talking about before though of like hot and cold and yeah. like hey nobody else is watering anything down right they're in your face with it trying to get you fired you know what i mean like wh why, where are we speaking truth to to people uh boldly and it's mm -hmm. like we have the truth and we're like timid with it you know, we want to like, we fear God rather than, or we fear man rather than God. That's right. really what it comes down to. Yes. In those moments of like, well, I'm, I'm more, more worried about what they're going to say. My reputation with these people, these pagan, blind, lost people. <laughs> than God. <laughs> okay. There's a functional theology being played out versus yeah. official theology. <laughs> Which, I mean, if we think about it in, in scriptural context, like what other reason are you there for around the pagan, blind people than to tell them those things that they need to hear? Yeah. That's the whole, so, how, how will they call on who they've not heard and how will they hear if no one preaches and how will they preach if nobody's sent? Like, you're right yeah. there. You're right there. Yeah. First Corinthians 3, 10 through 15 says, according to the grace of God given to me, like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become manifest for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Dude, that's, a, that's, that's one that gets me every time because yeah. it's like the next step it's like okay you're going to be saved but barely <laughs> right <laughs> like and so this ooh. is the this is the current book that uh mm. my my friends and i are going through in the subject group temptation by john owen Christian paperback and it's a really good section he says oh how few will be able to stand and hold out some will be utterly destroyed and perish forever Others will get wounds to their souls that shall never be thoroughly healed while they live in this world. They will have their bones broken and limp all their days. Mm. <laughs> mm. Jeez. It's like, you're going to, you're going to make it, but <laughs> it's going to be tough. You're going to not have a probably yeah. great time of it, but you go to heaven. You know, it's like, great. <laughs> but you're going to, you're going to be, so you're gonna you're gonna cross that finish line, but you'll be limping. 
like, man, it's like use the videos you see of those guys that those triathlete play, like yeah. they can't, you know, they're like like Bambi, they can't like Cat is blown out. <laughs> <laughs> they're like and they're crawling across. <laughs> they roll across that finish line. <laughs> But look at them. Yeah, man. That reminded, we were talking about uh, me and some of the guys at church. We were talking about the Israel Jacob Israel situation when he gets his hip dislocated and then yeah. you know gets his name changed and then then the story goes forward and he gets all the blessing or whatever. Mm. But it's just that idea that there's that little footnote that was like after that day he walked with a limp. Yeah, and that's why blah blah blah. But just that crazy idea of like I, I like the setup because the next day he's supposed to go meet his brother who he defrauded of his birthright. So he has to go meet the guy who has every reason to kill him and who he thinks is going to kill him with a yeah. limp and unable to defend himself after just being like torn apart, wrestling yeah. someone all night. It's, it, I like to think of kind of uh, – I, I think of my 20s as a complete waste of time. Uh, I basically have nothing for my 20s that's useful in any way to show to anything. But I, I also think of that as kind of a grace that I got to like see it burn up now and not – you know, keep building on all of that stuff for another 10 years and then have to realize that it's worth nothing. Yeah. I spent a lot of most of my twenties. Well, I guess my early to late teens, early twenties in Albuquerque. And I think it was such a removed part of my life that is and how many mistakes I made there. Mm. And cause I, like, I moved here from San Antonio where all my family is, my, you know, everybody is, uh, in my senior year of high school because I was kind of spiraling in high school. And then it was like, look, I, I wanted, I thought I just hit the easy button, the restart. Let me just complete change of scenery. I can just completely right. redefine who I am. And I got there and I was like, Oh, there's sin here too. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's like, you ever watch the wire? You ever see the wire? I never seen it. God, it's a freaking good show. There's this part where this kid is talking to, you know, it's, it's these drug dealing kids in Baltimore and they're all just, you know, it's the whole thing. And uh, they're on the corner. It's the corner. It, it, the Wire started from a, a miniseries on HBO called The Corner. It was actually a book written by this guy, David Simon, called, he was a he was a reporter for the Baltimore Sun on following the homicide beat in Baltimore. Mm. <laughs> and so he wrote a book called Homicide. And just about his experiences riding with the cops all the time and stuff. And so what he saw and everything, all the, how the police worked, how the drugs worked and everything. And he wrote a book called Homicide, True Crime, like thing. And then that be, that actually became a TV show. And then they made a, a miniseries called The Corner, which is about drug dealing in Baltimore and the inner city violence and gangs and everything. And, and then they made The Wire after that, which is hmm. about all that, the cops and everything. Um, but in The Wire, he talks, there's this kid and they thought he's talking to somebody and i forget all the details but um he said you know i was in this life working the corner doing his drugs you know all these things and you know it got bad and my mom sent me to live with my my, my grandma or somebody in cleveland or something i forget where you know from baltimore to like cleveland and uh to, to for a fresh start to get me out of this environment to get me you know and uh and they're like, well, so you're here. Like, what happened? And he said, they got a corner in Cleveland. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, man, you can't. Oh, gosh. Like, you can't escape that. It's not, it's not mad. Like, sin is sin. It's all over. Right. You can't yeah. And that's, well, what I I mean, thought, that's what I thought my senior year. It's like, let me just move. And then it's like, 
oh, hang on. This is like, <laughs> oh, they got girls here too. Yeah, right. <laughs> they got all this stuff here too. I was like, okay, dang, like this isn't going to be as easy as I thought. It was just like complete restart. And, uh, but anyway, so like, and, and I just think about like all, all my time, my first year of college there and just like, oh my God. And just like, <laughs> I mean, so much, but it's like, man, that's all like out in the deserts of Albuquerque and stuff. And it's like, I don't know or talk really to anybody there and nobody I know. I have, no, I have literally no reason to ever go back there. And it's like, man, was I kind of like removed, <laughs> you know, and spent some time in the desert to like, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then like, what I, as you said, kind of a grace of like, Right, being able to piss away a lot of my twenties there, right, right, and then like kind of okay, no one's gonna <laughs> see that, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't wreck anything here with anybody I know and have real roots at, you know. So it's funny, know. man, the way we think about that. Like a change of scenery is gonna change everything. We don't realize, like you're carrying the sit inside of you. <laughs> like you're the problem, not the area. It's you. Yeah. Well, it's like yeah, it's like that idea of like. Uh, guard your heart and you know be, be watchful of your heart it's like that means out in right <laughs> we, we think we think we, we're on this like fortress and with the the arrows and, and and guards are pointed out no they're pointed in to your right. heart because that's the enemy that's what's causing you to sin and that's what gets removed and changed right mm. if your eye caused you to sin pluck it out if your arm caused you to sin cut it off well your eyes and arms don't cause you to sin your heart does right. and your that is right. what's plucked out that is what's gouged out and cut out and replaced with a malleable heart that can be transformed to Christ. So, but yeah, that's, um, yeah, it's your actions and stuff. It's crazy. Yeah. That's just, I mean, that's just so funny. The, the idea of, I never heard it put it in those terms before because we just call it hypocrisy, but that idea <laughs> of like your functional versus your official, like, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Our official can be so spot on, but our functional is like completely different. And it's funny that if you don't get that, if you don't realize that early, that's when you see it play out in like the big public fall from grace. Yeah. I've been listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill podcast. Mm. Have you listened to that? I haven't, I haven't heard it at all. Definitely should. It's very interesting, especially in this kind of, you know, how <laughs> that Driscoll built, you know, kind of right. culture we find ourselves in of this reform, yeah, yeah. you know, thing um it's really interesting i think they they do a pretty piss poor job of analyzing <laughs> it because they're not coming there's no scripture they're not they're not refuting and, and rebuking him or anything in, with scripture right it's, well, we talked to this social psychologist about uh, dictator and like you know abuse and bullets like okay great <laughs> is is what driscoll did biblically wrong that's never answered that's never right. asked that's the problem is asked. the problem is not that he's a sinner. The problem is he's a bully. Yeah, but but by what standard? Right. That's what's never addressed. It's like well, we talked talk to this professor of psychology and of trauma, and so I was like, okay, and what standard <laughs> does he have? You know what I mean? Like they had some some chick go to Mars Hill for like two years and give like an analysis and report of his behavior and leadership style and all these things. She's not even a Christian. It's like, well, what are we gauging this on? What are you talking about? You know, we, we know the world calls this bigoted and bullied and, right, right. and stuff like that. What does the Bible say about what he's doing or what the church is doing? And let's not say he doesn't have his faults. He definitely, right. I think, execution was definitely wrong on a lot of right. things. But overall, what he, is what he's saying unbiblical? You know what I mean? 
Right. Like about men and women, about society, about family, about a lot of things. What is he saying? Because they're kind of just taking it as like the world takes it of like, right. well, you know, this hurts a lot of people's feelings. It's like, <laughs> but that's not a, that doesn't mean it's abuse. Right. Right. You know, but Man, I don't know. I it's, know. it's interesting though. It's, it's very interesting. It's done by Christianity today, which, you know, mm, says a lot pretty, and not a lot. Woke Kool-Aid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, on that <laughs> note, after you, uh, Shill for another podcast. It's not our Yeah. Own. Well, you know what? I wanted to. I wanted to I, I run this by you. So I'm. I'm reading City of God by Augustine. This fat <laughs> buffet of a, of a book. I was at a Barnes and Noble and I saw they had a, a copy of The Shining, and I was like, Oh, after you finish that, you can do this light reading too. Just read this up there. Seven thousand page. <laughs> I read The Shining. <laughs> of course you did. <laughs> yeah, that's a good book. It's really good. Um, no, but yeah. So um um, it it you should read this. It's actually not bad. It's broken up into two parts hmm. with like fifteen to twenty five books, like Jeez. books sections. But they're like eighty to one hundred pages each section. Okay, so you can just kind of yeah, you can just kind of sprinkle it in. You know, it took him like ten years to write this whole thing. So it's like it's not exactly like you forgot what he said before. Um, but yeah, so I thought for each podcast, maybe we can kind of go through some sections of a book um, of City of God, mm. because I think this is a really crucial book to read because uh, this is kind of Augustine's musings on the fall of Rome um, and, and, and kind of mm. seeing it crumble and, and him kind of dealing with that as far as like, okay, well, what does that mean then as far as like, the city on the hill and the light. Rome was the light in you know right. the darkness, and the darkness overcame that light. Mm. And so there's like the city of man and the city of God, and that's what he's really recognizing is like, look, Rome can fall, and that doesn't do anything to the city of God and right. what what Christ has established on earth. Mm. I think that's really important for us to remember as Americans, the new Rome, yes. right? Right. Like, oh, we gotta save America. It's like, do we? <laughs> the I mean, new eternal city. Right. And so it's like, okay, America could fall tomorrow. And that wouldn't do anything to the city of God, right? To the to the Christian, to the church, to the right. to the, the gospel in the world, the true nation of Israel, right? You know, and so, but a lot of people don't believe that. A lot of people think America is like the promised land, and the right, this right. is it. And you know, it's like maybe not. Maybe America is a blip on human history of mm. you know <laughs> of of the gospel conquering the world, and it's not going to happen through America. Maybe it has some good ideas, but moved on or whatever. Mm. And so that's that's kind of what Augustine is talking about kind of a, with the city of God and the city of man and Rome and the church and, and all those things. Um, but yeah, so I just want to kind of go through some sections on this. Um, he says, so, so this is from book one it says, uh, thus the wicked under pressure of affliction, execrate God and blaspheme the good in the same affliction, offer up prayers and praises. This shows that what matters is the nature of the sufferer, not the nature of the sufferings. Stir a cesspit and a foul stench arises. Stir a perfume and a delightful fragrance ascends, but the movement is identical, mm. right? So, like you, you light a diaper on fire, and you light a, <laughs> and you light a scented candle. It's the same action, but you're right. getting completely different results. Mm. So, it's the nature of the thing being ignited that kind of is what comes out. Um, so, I thought that was 
really interesting. Um, this next section, Christians know that the death of a poor religious man licked by the tongues of dogs is far better than the death of a godless rich man dressed mm -hmm. in purple and linen. That was cool. Yeah. Um, this next section, Daniel also was in captivity and so were other prophets. They did not lack the consolation of God's presence. So the God who did not desert the prophet in the belly of a sea monster did not desert his faithful followers under the domination of a people who, though barbarians, were still human. And he's talking about like the sack of Rome and like right. a lot of Christians and stuff that were taken. It's like, okay, God is with them in that persecution. And I think that's something we need to think about too in any sort of like persecution or oppression or whatever. It's right. like, God's there with you. God was Jonah in the whale. In the, in the in the in the belly of the big fish, it's like right. okay, God's gonna be with you in your when you got fired mm. or got canceled or whatever. For, <laughs> or for. So it's the next session. But there are those who jeer at their integrity when any temporal disaster comes upon God's servants. Such people ask, "Where is your God now?" Mm. Let those scoffers tell us where their gods are when the same thing happens to them. Mm. <laughs> That's <laughs> I like that. That's really good. <laughs> Pagan nations fall. You know, Christopher Hitchens got cancer. Yeah. Where's your God Where's there? I mean, oh, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, it's like right. some different Where's thing. Where's rationale? Like, Where's science? Where's your yeah. salvation? <laughs> yeah. Exactly. It's like, okay, I mean, at least, you know, our God has ultimate purposes and stuff. My, uh, I don't want to get weird because I'm going to drop something real heavy right before we get off. <laughs> so my parents died this past month, both of them. Mm. Uh, my wife said something that was real fitting, and it kind of goes along with what we're talking about. Maybe we can end on here because it's just kind of, you know, whatever. Yeah. We were we were driving one day, and it just she just kind of came to it out of the blue, and she goes, you know, it's kind of weird that we we prayed for them to be healed, and they are. Just not in the way we thought. And I was like, that's true. And I, like you were saying, the same, uh, the same motion stirs different fragrances or whatever. And it, it's true. It's like the, the two two people you look at, they're two families or whatever, and they have a tragedy, they have a death, and to one, the family falls apart. And to the other, it's like, oh, well, they're saved. Like they, they the the thought that I had is like they finished the race in yeah. the, the Pauline sense. Like they did it, they endured, they made it to the end. So it, that's... That is going to be more prominent in the time going forward. Like you said, that thought that like, yeah, nations fall, people fall, families fall, like things fall apart. And it's okay because God is there in that and it doesn't affect the city of God. Right. So, yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's, man. When do you write that? Like <laughs> yeah. 150, you know, a, a thousand five hundred years ago and it just yeah. hasn't changed. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it, let's talk about, again, official theology and functional theology. We can say all day, death, where is thy sting? But right. when tragedy strikes that close, our functional theology is going to play out. And that's how we're going to have process this, you know. And when I, when I was talking to you, saying, you were saying, you know, I'm trying not to distract myself. I'm trying not to just, you know, whatever. And, and I was trying to exhort you and implore, like, you're going to process this right and you need to make sure that it's with christ and with god right, right. and because it's going to be with something else if it's not there's no neutrality there's no not there's no distraction there's no not thinking about right, this there's right. no not processing this you're going to process this 
So you have a responsibility through these times, tragedy and these rubber meets the road moments to process it in Christ. Um, and we, we need to make sure that we do that. I told somebody else this as well, and and they didn't really, you know, and, and, and kind of, you know, we're dealing with that and some confession right. and repentance and stuff too. But it's like, but that's true, man, because like we, we're going to process this and it's going to either be with television mm. and with, you know, whatever, or Christ. We're going to run to Christ and that's going right. to be our fortitude. That's going to be our refuge. That's going to be our safe haven that we run to in these moments, you know, and that's going to be our reaction. Um, but yeah. And so, I mean, it's just, it, it, yeah. And in those moments where we have an opportunity to glorify God through those times and know that he is enough, that he is good. Right. And that our hope is in him and heart and flesh and our parents may fail. Our, mm. our, our family members and people we, we love and, and hold dear may fail by no means their own, by, by whatever, by just the frailty of life. But our hope is not in them. Our faith is not in them. And we don't, we, we mourn as those with hope, not in those people, not in these flesh and blood, but that in the promise that we will see them once again and that they are with Christ, that they are healed, like you said, and that God is enough. He is our faith. He is our hope and our stay and not in any other person and stuff. But yeah, that's, and that's when functional theology plays out. Right. You know, and, I think, and that's you know, I think that's, God. that's kind of an interesting thing too when we talk about functional versus, you know, uh, official. Is like if you ask me, I can go through, let's go into John 10 and let's talk about Lazarus and let's break down what Jesus means when he says all this stuff. Yeah. But my wife, who's been saved for all of what, three, four years, is the one who has the insight. <laughs> like that's the, like, oh, that's the true thing that's like playing out. Yeah. And the mouths of babes, right? Right. <laughs> the, the Christian babies of the, right. know, can see it. Yeah, man. I mean, I think we can we can listen to too many hip hop reformed theologians <laughs> and get caught up in that official and not right. really get through the functional. Mm. For sure. Yeah. So everybody listening, that's your danger. Remember that. Uh take some time. I, I think it's Psalm four that talks about uh when you lay down in bed to search your heart and in, in the silence and be silent, like really think about it and really examine yourself. Do you actually believe it? Cause I think that's another thing too. When we talk about that head knowledge of knowing and then the truth of believing, right? Like that's the, the, the person who says to Christ, like I believe, but help my unbelief. Like right. I know that you can do this thing, but help me believe that you will do what you promise. And that's God providing the thing requested. Right. right. And that's, and that's how it's going to be. Cause we don't have the strength. We don't have the, the, the will, the nature of anything like that. It's going to be God working through us to fulfill right. what he's required of us. Right. Basically all things from him, yeah, right. him from right. him and to him. Mm. Right. In Psalm 139. I, I would, I would encourage everyone to read Psalm 139 in, in light of that. It's a whole search me, O God, and know my heart. You know, O Lord, you have searched me and know me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up, you discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Ever before a word is on my tongue, behold, O oh Lord, you know it altogether. You hem me in behind and before and lay your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high. I cannot attain it. So I mean, this should read all of Psalm 139. It's just like, that's a. I think we should make it a regular part of our diet of, of scripture in that, but. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, I feel like we covered a lot. <laughs> yeah. So we'll sign it off for tonight. Um, yeah. 
<laughs> uh, but yeah, you know, be be cautious that you're you're not just thinking without believing. You're not feeling. You're not hearers of the word and not doers. Because I think that's a danger. We get comfortable too, especially when we don't feel like there's obvious temptation. If that makes sense, right? Like it's 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 easier to think you're you're not sinning when the temptation isn't super obvious, and yeah. we don't think about all the little compromises we make every day. So yeah, that's this book, Temptation. Right. Really <laughs> talks about talks about opening yourself to temptation, mm-hmm. even if it's something that's not a sin. Right. Right. You know, right. it's like it's it's not a sin to drive the girl home at night. Yeah. Right. Like, but but what are you setting up for? Right. Is that what doors are you opening to right. temptation? You know. So just mm-hmm. being cognizant of that and have that having that wisdom and discernment. Right. For sure. Cool. So until next time, uh, two weeks because I got my weeks all mixed up. So I'm gonna be gone next week, not this week. Yeah, obviously. So until next time, uh, this is the time. This is the place. We'll see you guys. See you. Bye.